Are you ready to put down that drink or drug for good? Are you struggling to maintain your recovery from addictive behaviors? Do you need help with a family member or loved one who's in early recovery or battling addiction? Get the help and guidance you need by arranging a recovery recharged phone session with me, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, Certified Life and Recovery Coach. Call 1-800-889-1757. Make an appointment today. Or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com, and click on the link that says Recovery Recharged. Don't wait. Get the help you need today. This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Welcome Transformation Talk Radio listeners. My name is Ellen Stewart and I am the Pushy Broad from the Bronx. Welcome to my show Recovery Recharged. I am usually here accompanied by my illustrious co-host Dr. Pat, but today I am flying solo and I am pleased to present a very special guest and we're going to talk about a topic that is really pertinent to so many people today. You hear it on the news all the time. We are reading about about it everywhere and it is really really important to people that are in recovery and also uh, going through changes in terms of mental health and trauma. Today's program is going to be trauma and addiction and I have a very special guest to talk about it with us, a professional in the field. So some of the things that we're going to talk about today is whether or not there's a real connection between trauma and addiction and what are the causes of psychological trauma and why is substance abuse a common coping mechanism for psychological trauma. And also this guest is going to give us an idea of what hopeful treatments there are on the horizon. So those of you out there that may be suffering with this or may have a loved one who is suffering, I want you to pay close attention to some hopeful transformations today. My guest today is Lindsay Hutchinson. Lindsay has been in counseling and addiction for over 16 years. She's a licensed professional counselor and a licensed certified addiction drug counselor who is now currently the clinical director of Footprints to Recovery, which is an outpatient addictions treatment center in Hamilton, New Jersey. Lindsay also is in private practice, and she is particularly concerned and specializes in trauma, attachment, and addiction. She's certified in EMDR. She's a theraplay trained therapist, and she is and she and her one of the modalities that she specializes in is nurtured heart approach. And we're going to ask her a little bit about that as well. But one of the things that I really like about Lindsay is the fact that she believes in unconditional positive regard. And that's something that we here at Transformation Talk Radio know a lot about. She has an unrelenting belief in finding positive strength in all her clients and her patients. And that's why I brought her to our radio station today. So... Recovery Recharge listeners, Transformation Talk Radio listeners, please welcome clinician Lindsay Hutchinson. Lindsay, it's great to see you today. Thank you so much for having me. 
So I want to begin by talking to you about a very basic definition for us. What do we actually mean by trauma? Can you define it for us in layman's terms? Because everybody has different definitions. Sure. Um, well, I think that when people hear the word trauma, um, being a trauma clinician, we talk about big T and little t trauma. So when I think, uh, I think most people hear the word trauma, they think of big T, which is the, you know, severe traumas that we hear about, you know, um, abuse, neglect, um, PTSD um, for war veterans, people that have been, you know, subjected to severely violent um, crimes. Um, you know, I think that we kind of our mind goes to that, but I also think that's a part of the problem. I think we kind of minimize other traumas that are still very significant, but they might not be in that category specifically. So what would be the little T then? If those are the big T things, what are the little T things? Sure. Um, little T's can be, I mean, I can start with, you know, if you work your way up from childhood up through adolescence and adulthood, um, you know, for children, I see there's a lot of absent parenting going on now. Um, I think that we have a lot of children that don't feel seen. Um, they're pretty invisible in the home. Um, you know, that can be due to various reasons, um, you know, stressors in the house, work, you know, both um, if there are two parents in the home, it's very common that both parents are working full time. Um, you know, that idea of, I remember when I was a kid, my father would call it a latchkey baby. Um, you know, the children that would come home to an empty house um, regularly at sometimes even days at a time when they're older um, and not really having that, you know, support system that every child really needs to kind of develop that healthy attachment. So, you know, just feeling invisible in the home um, and feeling like even when you do good things, it doesn't really matter and having that repeat over and over in your life. I see. Okay. Well, I want to, I want to clear up a few things and I want to redefine these things as you mentioned them. So uh, let's go quickly through a little bit of list because maybe then some of our listeners can identify with some things. Okay. So it would be a great idea just to give us an idea of a little bit about what you see in terms of the kind of trauma that happens when you're treating somebody with sexual harassment. So give us some quick examples of that. What should somebody be looking for? Um, so for, for if they experience sexual harassment themselves, um, so it's very common in the workplace. Um, I've known people that, you know, were told that they wouldn't be able to move up in a position unless they, you know, um, you know, fulfilled some kind of requirement sexually for, um, you know, and, and even not, um, as severe as that, even someone's walking in the workplace and feeling, you know, objectified, someone constantly commenting on how they look, um, and that person feeling very uncomfortable, feeling on guard. Um, elevated heart rate, the minute, you know, severe anxiety, thinking about work, um, you know, and, and feeling really scared maybe at times for who they're going to be around if that person's there. Um, I've had many clients that have endured that um, and it's extremely overwhelming. And again, that can really create some pretty severe responses and um, even similar to PTSD if someone stays in a workplace like that. And that's not necessarily restricted to females, correct? You're Correct. seeing sexual harassment happen to men as well. Yes, definitely. And what about badgering? You mentioned badgering in your list here. Tell us about that. Um, sure. So I think just, again, um, feeling that there's just those boundaries constantly just being, being badgered means just kind of being overwhelmed, tormented, kind of people coming at them constantly, um, feeling like, you know, if they don't do something um, in, in exchange um, that they could be exploited for that. 
Um, and, and again, just kind of feeling like their role, whether it's in the workplace and or in the family, um, is constantly kind of being jeopardized. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that could be, again, have some severe consequences as well um, for symptoms. And also, you know, we've seen some very popular stuff going on, um, and even very recently on on the air, uh, Julia Roberts is is uh, playing Martha Mitchell on a um, on an HBO special called or a Showtime special. I remember which one called Gaslit, right? Mm. So, talk a little bit about gaslighting and how traumatizing that could be. Gaslighting. So, I mean, I think that um, if you, for anyone listening, can just go on and Google um, and search the word gaslight um, and how, what it means to be um, dealing with being in a, in a gaslighting relationship. Um, I think most people are you know, kind of checking the list, like that's me, this happened, this happened, this happened. It's actually extremely common. And I think the most difficult part about being in a relationship where there is gaslighting is that you feel crazy. Um, that person will pretty much tell you, you know, you shouldn't be feeling the way you feel um, and really minimize your feelings. And um, the whole time, again, there's, there's a purpose. It's very manipulative. It's extremely manipulative and a very common kind of way to get your way in a relationship for some people. Yes, and based on um, the, you know the term comes from that that black and white picture um, gaslight, and um, yeah. and obviously has been you know um, a way of being tormented, right? Yeah. And a way of of sometimes someone who is in active addiction trying to tell the person, the loved one who doesn't understand what's going on, that there's nothing really wrong, right? Do you find right. that? Yes, very much, very much. And kind of just this eagerness to kind of push it away. Let's not even talk about this. You're crazy. Everything's fine. When nothing I don't have a drinking problem. I don't have a drug problem. You could see all the bottles in the world all the ways. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm not drinking as much. I mean, I see that all day long, right? And then it's really tricky if you're a child of an addict or and then that person knows that and uses it against you. You're overreacting. That's because your mom was an addict. That's not me. You know, you, you know, you're you're too sensitive. And I think you need to go to therapy for that. This is the number one thing that I see all the time. OK, and I know that it's very prevalent with you. And I'm very, very glad that people are being aware of it. And what I want to say to our listeners out there is if you are one of those people whose husband or wife or partner or son or daughter or whatever is 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 filling you with these lies and telling you it's not a problem and you're and you're exaggerating and you don't know what you're talking about. I need you to know that you're not alone and that you are right in your assumptions. If you think there is a problem, right? Wouldn't you agree, Lindsay? If you think there is a problem, there definitely is. And you should not yes. let anybody tell you differently. Is that the advice you would give? Exactly. And how you feel is how you feel, right? This isn't, when you're in a relationship, there's compromise, there's understanding, there needs to be communication. So, you know, if I'm feeling scared because I never know if you're going to come home because I'm afraid you're going to, you know, crash your car because you're drinking and, you know, drinking after work, whatever it is, if I'm petrified of that phone call and I'm feeling that anxious constantly, that's a very real emotion and that needs to be addressed, you know, and as a, as a partner, you know, as a couple, um, you know, you're entitled to your feelings. And that's a very real thing. Somebody can't tell you how to feel and how not to feel. 
Exactly right. And and somebody can tell you that you're crazy because you're feeling that way. Right? Exactly. That's the kind of thing. Okay. And then then of course there's there are actual traumatizing events, right? Like like cataclysmic events, like COVID, like like hurricanes and floods and all of those things. Yes. Yes. You see that manifested too. And I'm sure over the last two years you've seen a lot of that happening as well. Very much. And again, we minimize it. I think COVID has been minimized. I mean, it's unreal how we don't explain, really explain, explain. What do you mean? What are the explanations that could be minimizing so, a pandemic? Sure. Um, I think that it's been years. It's been going on. We all were hoping and, and praying that things would get better. We were expecting it to be, you know, what, six months, eight months, a year. And the time just kept snowballing and snowballing and no one's talking about it. Like our children, it's just, you know, deal with it. Us just deal with it. Right. It's like you make it happen. You still figure it out. You need to get to work. You need to make your money. You need to keep plowing through. And I think we haven't really helped our parents either how how do we talk about this with our kids you know um i know i talk about my kids but if i'm if i'm not really a talker or if i'm not talking about my feelings and you know for me that's all i do obviously um you know what how do i talk about this how do i talk about feelings and how scary this has been a really Un, it's unreal. It's like a movie, you know. Well, and we don't yeah, because really talk- it happens once in a hundred years. So, how exactly. old are your kids? How old are your kids? Five and seven. So, so give us an example because there are so many parents out there. Give us an example of the kinds of things you said to your kids about the pandemic. What'd you say? Well, I explained to them that there were a lot of people getting sick. Um, and that it is really scary, um, you know, and I asked them, you know, because they were scared. They were seeing kids, you know, coming back in, you know, you're being told you have to wear a mask and these kids didn't wear a mask. They've never even seen anything like this. So, and I just know how stressful it was for us as, as adults, right? We were all very overwhelmed. I mean, these little, little people, it, it was just such a massive change in their lives. So I think just asking them how they're feeling, you know, um, talking to them, you know, is anything on their mind? Um, do, you know, and just kind of just feeling them out. And then if they are saying, I'm scared, I'm not saying you're fine. You're fine. Don't worry about it. You're going to be okay. It's tell me more, you know, and what can we do, you know? And, and of course we can kind of be a little more validating, letting them feel how they feel, but also letting them know that we're going to do everything we can to keep them safe. And that's why these things were being done was to keep them and other people safe. Um, so I think explaining it, because I think for a, for a long time, we weren't really even talking about it. We're kind of just like, you know, we don't want to talk about it. Right. But it's important to know, especially from a trauma specialist, yes, that you've gone right in there and that you've talked to your children and you haven't shoved it under the rug. You haven't Correct. minimized their feelings right. and you've encouraged them to talk about it. Right. Definitely. Because yes. what you're saying as a trauma specialist is that that parents sometimes try to go in there and try to fix or try to protect we can't help right? that. <laughs> make it all okay. I want to make it okay. I don't want them to see anything horrible. I don't want them to, you know, to know anything. I just want to come in there and be the fixer. And that's not always the case because we don't know the depth of what they're thinking. And it's really important for them to express their feelings. Definitely. Yeah. We actually have to listen. That's a big thing for parents and for clinicians, for anyone working with a therapist. Make sure you're feeling like someone's listening to you, not just answering everything and giving you answers to everything. We need to really listen. I think it's a big, very right. important. Right, especially to young children. Yeah, you know, Five and seven years old, they have something to say. They really yes. do. They really so, do. 
So, of course, there's so much, there's such a big list of trauma. I mean, you know, there's, you know, from, from the simple things like just being embarrassed in public or, yeah. or, or having a, a job situation, whether it's a sexual harassment situation or being fired from the job or being yeah. hurt on the job or, you know, uh, or, or, or PTSD that could happen in a military situation. I mean, I know there are a plethora of things that we can talk about. And then, and then also trauma in many ways can be very subjective don't you think what could be traumatizing to you may not be traumatizing to me is that possible very much and also how it I think a really important thing to remember so many people here again we have answers for everything right well I went through that and I'm fine well first of all what do you de define as fine <laughs> <laughs> are you though yeah. um but if you are most likely you had some pretty amazing, like a support, somebody, some person, it's been shown in research, you need one, one person in your life that believes in you and is there for you and hopefully feels safe for you. Um, most children and, and teens that grow up to adults, if they don't have that one person, um, and again, it doesn't have to be family. It can be a teacher. It can be a coach. It can be, and that's why those roles are so important for these children that have no one at home to be that support for them. But if you don't have that, that's where these traumas become, I mean, it's exponential how it, it impacts a child and a teen when they have no rock in their life to go back to, you know? Um, my uncle always used the analogy of the tree when you're playing tag, like that safe place. And he always said like, he's that tree. And that's just one of my family members, but I had that, you know, I still do. And that's really important when we're in a place where we don't know, when we're brought to our knees by a huge event in our lives, whether it's death, loss, divorce, you name it. Um, all these really brutal things that can happen in our lives that we need that that rock there, that kind of that tree, that safe space to be there for us. And the mistake is not realizing that we need it, right? So it's really for good sure. that you've brought it to the attention of, of, of our listeners, because there are so many of them, understanding that no matter what, we cannot do this alone and we can't go through it alone. We can't keep all of those thoughts and feelings in our subconscious and in, in our mind without getting it out. Yes. And that's part of it. And bouncing it off somebody who is either a professional, like a recovery yes. coach like myself, or, or yeah. a clinician like yourself, or or somebody that at least is going to listen with an open heart and open mind and a non-judgmental approach, right? Yeah. Somebody that's stable, somebody that provides a foundation. So that's yeah. something that one should look at. And sometimes I think parents are, um, are confused by that because like we said, parents always want to fix, right? Right? I do. want it to be me, right? You want you want someone to come to mom or to dad. But I think what parents have to understand is no matter where your child gets that stability, it's very important that he has that. Very. And the more the more people they have, right? It's incredible how resilient that child will become. You know, I think that that's an example I always have in my own life is that it wasn't, it takes a village. It, it you know, and, and whether it's, immediate family, blood relatives, and then that's family that I call family that aren't my blood relatives. And then my friends that have been like my, you know, sisters from day one, you know, those people, those are all people that help pick you up. We need, we need each other. We need someone, but we really, we really need to look at that because I think there's many of us that walk through life that 
I got this. And, and really that fear of connecting, that's where that trauma for me, that's rooted when it comes to addiction, you know, and all of this, I do feel like there's so many people that, that push people away because they're so afraid. They don't feel like they are worthy of that connection because they never had it from the start. How do I even trust anyone if I couldn't trust, you know, the people that gave birth to me? Well, you've brought together two two distinct issues that, that I find not only in recovery, but in, in, in working with trauma patients. And that's number one. How, do, how does that person who has been traumatized begin to know how to trust, right? Because they've suffered a trauma. So trust is a really, really big thing. There's no Matt. question. And, mm-hmm. and also understanding that, that by opening up, one takes a risk in in maybe not being believed or not not thinking that 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 they they're entitled to get the help because they feel undeserving because of the trauma so it's not only an outward trust it's an inward distrust yes. of their own self-esteem and their own self-worth yes exactly yes it's am i worth am I worth this? Um, do I genuinely deserve this? And then if there's, and then, you, you know, you go into the whole shame and the guilt and all of this, again, just really heavy emotion that comes to this. I mean, it becomes this core belief system. And that's kind of, when we talk about trauma therapy, that's what we really work on in healing because these core beliefs have been created since we were young. And I think that again, you know, it's not about what's happened to us. It's how it's made us feel about ourselves. That's, that's my main thing I want anyone to know listening to this is that it, it's not about the, just the event. It's what are these negative belief systems that have been created in my mind that now almost become like my mantra for my life of all the negativity. It's, it's, um, it's truly like poison, you know, and it, and it takes over our whole life. It affects every aspect of our lives if we don't really look at that and look at ways to heal from that. And not only that, but it normally comes from the point of trauma. So if you were traumatized at five, and yes. all of that behavior going forward is stemming from being five, you yes. know, if you were, you were traumatized late in life, then, you know, then you have a different start. But, but it means that there could be decades and decades of this just piled on, you know, yeah. like uncovering this, this dark Don't. web. It is. It's, it's can be really overwhelming for cl- most clients, you know, of course, but that's my thing is that that's our job, right? So, you know, we, we call it like holding a space for our clients and we will, that's what we have to do. And, and I always, we talk about leaning in and that's one of my favorite things that we lean into this because this is the work that needs to get done. Um, it is so overwhelming and it can be really um, scary, uh, intimidating, um, but that's why you need to be with a professional that is certified and can do this work with you. Um, because for me, there's so many patterns of behavior that start way before the drink gets picked up or the drug gets picked up. You know, there's just so many, I mean, I always ask people is like, go back, you know, go, we go back to the beginning. Where did these emotions start? You know, and it's way before they could pick up, you know, it's, it's sometimes years before they picked up. Um, so, you know, that's really what we need to look at because those emotions are, are all there. They didn't go anywhere. 
Well, we're going to talk a great deal about what kinds of work you do, because I want to be able to leave people in the second half of this with some immediate steps, okay, yes. things to look for and things to, to do. And, and because you've been doing this for such a long time, you know that there are successful outcomes. And that's the most wonderful part about this, yes. right? Yes. We know more, we've learned more, people do recover, right? They get better? Yeah. Yes, it's amazing. I mean, the last 10 years, it's incredible. And even in the last few years, it's amazing the different modalities, the different treatments that have come forward that are just truly, I mean, it changes not only my clients and our clients' lives, it changes my life. You know, you 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 feel that you're How so? Actually, How did it change your life? Um, well, when you do the trainings, you actually have to have it done too as well. <laughs> um, and it's really intense, uh, for, I'm speaking of one specific dreaming that I'll tell you guys about in a bit, but I think that, um, you know, it really makes you think, and it makes you look at so many of these negative beliefs that we all have, you know, um, if I, if, if someone falls and, and trips on something, it's like, oh, I'm such a an idiot. I'm such a klutz. And it's constantly, right? Like, I'm just stupid. I'm stupid. You know, of course I would do that. I'm dumb. And it just becomes this, you know, but that belief system happened way before that. But if you're saying this to yourself all day, right? All night, you're waking up thinking these things. The minute you have a negative, you know, interaction with someone, well, I'm, I'm just dumb. You know, I, I messed that up one up too. Oh, there we go. And they can make a lot of times I have clients that, and I'm sure there's people here, you know, you make jokes of it. You know, I'm making a joke about myself. If I'm making a joke about myself constantly, uh, making fun of myself, you know, um, always making a joke out of everything too, right? Um, the minute it gets too serious or heavy, I got to throw that joke in there. I don't want anyone, I'm, I'm not going to get emotional. Um, you know, these are all defense, you know, mechanisms that we develop because we just are avoiding really what's, like I always say to my clients, what's under all of that? Like we can stay surface level for our whole, right? But what's underneath all of that? There's so much there. So I think for me, it, it changed how I look at my own life, how I look at interacting with people in my world and in my life. And then for my clients, I mean, my life is the work I do. This is, I mean, I do this more than I'm with my children, right? And, my, and with my family, with my loved ones. So uh, it's changed everything for me because I see the work that's done in the improvement and changes their lives. It's just, it's really mind blowing. That's great. And like, it's a calling for you. It's a calling for me too. We're just coming up on just about enough time to go to the commercial break and we have so much more to cover. But in the interim, in the last 30 seconds, I need you to tell people where to find you. Tell us quickly the website to find you and how they can connect with you directly. Sure. So um, I'm with Footprints to Recovery and I'm in Hamilton, New Jersey. Um, so if you just search Footprints, if, you, if that's easier, just you'll find us, Footprints to Recovery. We all are, we are all over the country. Um, our um, kind of umbrella company is Aliyah Health Group, um, AHG. Um, but again, Footprints to Recovery.com, you'll find us. We're, we're there. Okay. And as always, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, 1-800-889-1757, pushybroadfromthebronx.com. We have so much more to cover with trauma and addiction. And my special guest, Lindsay Hutchison, who is the clinical director of Footprints to Recovery. When we come back. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. And yes, our office is open and we are doing strictly phone consultations. If you would like to call and get tuned up, 
it's perfect time with everything that's going on and things aren't calming down, pick up the phone and give us a call. It's quick and easy and it's fun. If you'd like more information on it, you can look at MaryJaneMack.com or call our office at 888-777-4232. Tune into the Dr. Diane Show, where we explore revolutionary expansion of mind, body, and soul every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I bring over 20 years of expertise as a mindset warrior, perspective shifter, and unshakable optimist dedicated to helping you reach your wildest dreams in business, health, performance, and relationships. Join the discussion on the show. Learn more about me, Dr. Diane, and receive a free digital copy of my magazine at naturalnutmeg.com. There isn't a magic pill to creating your healthy lifestyle, yet it doesn't have to be hard or feel impossible. Health works from the inside out, connecting both your body and your mind. Georgette LePage lives and breathes what she teaches, so allow her to be living proof of what can work for you. Connect with her now for a free 30-minute discovery session to see what results you are looking for and how she can help you get them. Visit GeorgetteLePage.com. Tune in to Awaken Your Magic Within, reveal unconscious systems to discover your unstoppable freedom power. Join me, Tracy Lynn Wallace, on TransformationTalkRadio.com the first Tuesday of each month, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, to gain insight, direction, and tools to uncover limiting beliefs. Get ready to step into your unstoppable power to discover and uncover your magic within. Hi, I'm Coach Martez. And I'm licensed therapist with Drina Layton. We want to invite you to join us on the Coach Martez and with Drina Layton show, where we discuss understanding love, accepting truth, and changing your perspectives. Relationships are the currency to life, and so many couples find themselves broke in their relationships. We want you to join us for a lively discussion and practical tips and insights on how to turn things around and gain the merit for life mindset. Welcome back, Transformation Talk Radio listeners. I am Ellen Stewart, the Pushy Broad from the Bronx, and we are talking about something so near and dear to my heart with a clinical professional, Lindsay Hutchinson. She and I are talking about trauma and addiction. And if you are out there feeling any kind of mental health breakdown or you know somebody that is going through that and it is coupled with addiction, Please listen to what we are talking about today because it's really, really, really going to help you. So, Lindsay, I, we were talking about how difficult it is and how what are the signs of trauma. And I want to know not only does the trauma affect the individual, but who else does having a traumatized situation affect? Um, it definitely affects anyone in that person's world. Um, I think that um, I've known, um, you know, clients, families, um, partners, children that are kind of imprisoned by it, um, whether it's, you know, a client's hypervigilant, severely reactive to certain things, um, you know, can't maybe go to certain events and or, um, you know, socialize. I know families that are kind of um, very afraid to even talk to their partner or their family or loved ones about this because they see that something's not right, but they don't even know how to 
address it. And it can become this terrible situation where family members are walking on eggshells constantly and just never know what the day is going to bring. The same thing if you're in, again, with addiction in your family, you just don't, every day, you don't know what's going to happen. It's just a terrible way to, to exist, honestly. It's very overwhelming. One of the most prevalent things that I see, especially if there is an active addict or an alcoholic in the house and the partner is trying desperately to minimize the situation so that the children don't want, they don't want the children to be exposed. But what we realize after doing this for such a long time is that no matter what, the children are automatically exposed. Everybody thinks it's a big secret. The children are suffering in silence because they don't want to talk about it because mom and dad don't talk about it. But nevertheless, the children could be easily psychologically traumatized by this, right? Just from the silence of it all, correct? Yes. And just kind of learning, right? It's being modeled for them that, you know, we're not going to talk about this. We're going to just keep plowing through and it's going to be okay when it's, this isn't okay at all. I'm, I'm afraid to even come home and no one's asking me if I'm okay. It's just, again, that's, that can, again, that's a, a massive route for trauma for many of my clients that, um, you know, many of them are children of alcoholics or addicts and, um, kind of what that does, you know, to a person and kind of the personality traits you have to develop to be able to survive that. And what parents don't understand is they are not protecting their children at all. In fact, one would argue that they were doing the reverse. Yes, unfortunately. And I think that, again, like we talked about before, there's never, you know, it's, it's parents aren't being malicious. It's like this idea of fixing and everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. Um, I got this, even though you don't, right? <laughs> no one has that um, figured out. There really needs to be pretty significant changes that have to be made. And children cannot be exposed to it. And even for the families that aren't talking about it and they're keeping it hidden from the kids, all of those children, right? We work with those, those children now as adults and they talk about it, right? They they knew from the, the beginning. You know, I know examples of children who, um, you know, now are adults, but they have stories when they were five, you know, five, six years old that they would go up and sniff the drink and know if there was alcohol in it or not and then be proud of their parent for not drinking if it was just juice. I mean, that is very real. That's, that's And that's a core memory, man. That's five years old. When we that's talk about right. core memory- these are things that are being made and created that you're going to go back to, um, right. whether you're consciously aware of it or not. So, yeah, the damage is is pretty severe if, if you can't create a stable environment in some right. way. Or the opposite, okay? So because because addiction is predicated on so many things. Heredity is one of them. Environment is another one, okay? The, yep. You know, the propensity to, to, be in, to be an alcoholic or an addict if the family member is right there. And if nobody's talking about it or if mom or dad who is the active addict or alcoholic is minimizing it, it makes it okay for a kid at a young age to think it's okay to do this. It's okay. And if I'm feeling guilty or shame, it just perpetuates that guilt and shame. And we can't talk about that either. And then, you know, once I start to hide my own drinks as a kid or a teen, and I'm, you know, I know I shouldn't be doing this. And I, you know, again, it just perpetuates this guilt and shame and this, you know, code of silence, which is honestly probably one of the most dangerous parts about it, you know, completely because you're not talking you know, no one, no one's validated. No one is really able to get um, any kind of help or feel any kind of support or nurturing from their family. Exactly. 
Exactly, which means the silence is deafening because it the is. silence is just makes it condoning, um, you know, behavior that's not acceptable. It I is. know, I know the Transformation Talk Radio listeners occasionally call into the show. Please feel free to do that if you want to ask a question for me or to our professional Lindsay today. If you have something that you want to talk about, or if you have something that you want to tell us, or maybe get in touch with us about it, or ask a question that may be private for you. You can always call me on my line, 800-889-1757, ask a private question, and I'll make sure Lindsay answers you directly. Or if you want to ask something on the air today while we're on for another 20 minutes or so, please feel free to do that. So moving on, because there's a lot to cover, so I want to very quickly have you talk to us about what the overt signs and symptoms of trauma can be. Tell us what one sees, what someone should look out for, so that if you're noticing that in your, in your child or even in yourself, you will know how to get help. Sure. So, I mean, I'll give some of the, I think, um, first ones that would come to mind and for, for clients and or for people that um, are listening, I think it's a big one, especially when it comes to medicating, right? So with drugs. So um, a lot of my clients, their sleep is absolutely horrible. Um, they are having night terrors, not just nightmares, but, you know, so vivid. They could be waking up, kind of acting out things in their sleep, um, but really, really um, almost tormenting dreams. Um, sometimes they can remember it in the morning. Sometimes they have no idea what happened, but their partner or the family member that sees it is actually traumatized because it scares them so much of what's happening at night. Um, so I have many clients who would medicate, you know, just to make themselves be able to fall asleep with no dreams, you know, um, with hope that they would be able just to be literally knocked out. Um, so I think that's one. Um, that's a that's a big one. Um, I think hypervigilance, um, kind of extra, kind of exaggerated startle response to sounds. Give us an example of that. Break that down. Sure. So, um, you know, loud noises, I have had clients that even music, certain things was very triggering. So a sound can actually, it's not just, oh, that's loud. It actually kind of creates a emotional kind of response. Um, it can make them feel more guarded, um, unsafe, you know, really, really, um, just overwhelmed. So they might need to get out of that environment immediately. I have clients that need to kind of sit in a corner with their back to the wall at all times. They need to be able to, right, look around wherever they are. They're like, I will never, you know, if someone comes up behind them, I have many clients, they say, like, don't come back up behind me and tap me on the shoulder. Like, you need to come to my face and walk in front of me. You can't come at me from the back because I will probably punch right. you, you know, right. Um, right. they're just, they're in that mode of, again, again, they're just in this pretty, pretty severe kind of um, like hypervigilance is what we call it. Well, as soon as I put the word out that callers can call us, Alicia has a question about the gaslighting comment I made earlier. Mm -hmm. If we can find out what that question is, we'd be happy to answer it. Yes. Hi. Are you taking my call? Yes. Hi, yeah, Alicia. Welcome to so Recovery much. Recharge. How this can we help you? Very interesting conversation. Um, and I wanted to ask for some clarity, perhaps. Um, I, I'm trying to understand in, in a, like in a gaslighting situation, how does the one who's been or appears to feel like they're gaslit handle being gaslit? Um, I'm not really sure because the perspective of the one being gas of the one feeling gaslit is that someone else did it 
and that it's not their fault. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, some clarity around I understand. I understand. Helpful. So you want to know what one does about it to change the situation, correct? Well, yeah. Uh-huh. The person who's being gaslit. Lindsay, why don't you answer this? Sure. So, hi. Um, so if you're, if you're feeling gaslit, I think clear boundaries and kind of, you know, stating facts, right? It's, you know, I think that when someone is gaslighting somebody, it's, it's all about, you know, um, it's very manipulative. Um, it's, it's again, you're crazy, how you feel, you know, so using I statements kind of, I'm feeling this way. This is what I'm seeing. Um, I do recommend, um, you know, a, a therapist, a clinician can actually really help um, navigate that because it's really hard if you're having this interaction with someone who's gaslighting you, they're going to, unfortunately, they're continu- going to continue it. Right. This is kind of their role in that relationship. Um, I've, I've had people who kind of gave, you know, information. There's really great articles online and was like, Hey, this is something you do all the time. You need to read this. Um, and, and sometimes that person might show some insight, but I, I think most of the time you really need someone to kind of help you navigate that. Again, a family therapist, a licensed family therapist or a couples clinician that specializes right. would do a great job because they're able to be right there as the mediator and deal with it head on as it's happening as a, you know, get a neutral party because you're not neutral and neither is the other party. Right. So um, I think sometimes that has to happen to get things to really change because it, most likely that person's been gaslighting in majority of their relationships since they were pretty young. And it's something that they've learned probably from their own family as well. Yeah, that was my feeling. I, I haven't ever experienced anything like I did. Um, it was pretty close and it was in a work set, setting. So um, thankfully that helped me to just re- retain my composure. Um, mm-hmm. and I do work in, yeah. And I do work in healthcare. So I have some emergency emotional health training, but that was like this is very overwhelming yeah it uh, can make you it literally makes you feel i mean Um, you hear these people who snap right it makes you feel like you're you're going crazy it really does well it was yeah it was really like um yeah i mean my my feelings were not were 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 definitely torqued for sure (laughs) um and i was very uncomfortable i i mean i had to uh, i had to just exit the situation i there was nothing i could do because it just continued in in a like a was like a, a, you know, a, a yelling, you know, something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, yeah. Well, I appreciate this direction. It sounds like um, I would love to explore this more. So I'll go ahead and look at the information on the um the page about the two of you guys and um, see because it's 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 a very challenging situation and I would love to be able to get a handle on it. I'm sure it's not going to be the first time I I experience something like that. Well, thank you, Alicia. If you go to uh, pushybroadfromthebronx.com, I'm doing a free 20-minute consultation, and we can talk about anything you like. So if you set aside and you book a time to do that off the air, I can give you all the resources you need. Okay? Yeah, okay. That sounds great. Yeah, thank you. All right, pushybroadfromthebronx.com. Thank you for calling in. Uh Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So let's continue on. That's great. 
Um, let's go a little bit further. Let's talk about the direct connection between psychological trauma and substance misuse. I want to spend just a, a little bit of time with that. And then I want to go straight into the specific effective treatment for trauma and addiction. Go ahead, Lindsay. Sure. Um, so I think, again, when we were talking about before, right, all these kind of big T's versus little T's, trauma in general. Um, I do think that when it comes to using substances um, and, 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 you know, addiction in general, I think that again, it's, it's medicating someone in some way, right? So it's helping me feel um, a certain way. So for instance, I'll use a depressant alcohol as an example, right? I have such severe anxiety um, I, I have had clients who had severe anxiety as a child, um, and, and even OCD tendencies, um, and they were kind of verbal about it and their, and their family kind of, again, really weren't willing to listen, um, minimized. And again, that kind of invisibility, um, was really a huge problem for it, for that client. Um, and then it continued in sports, like nothing was ever good enough. Um, so again, all these really negative, negative core beliefs, um, stuck with him. Um, he was so anxious. He was socially anxious. He couldn't be around people. So once he started drinking, um, and his family knew they didn't even really give him consequences. So that it was even what more. Did they, know? they knew about his drinking or his trauma, which one? They knew, they knew, well, about, they his knew about his drinking. Um, and they knew he wasn't doing well mentally kind of told them he was a wreck. And then we're talking age 13, 14. Um, so once he started drinking, he thought he'd be in trouble and they, his parents pretty much, they were like, oh, you're grounded. But then he wasn't grounded. You know what I mean? So he was like, okay, I can just keep doing this. For him, drinking was the first time he felt calm in his whole life. Um, and then it developed into, well, where he was in treatment and um, his whole life. It's severe, severe alcoholic since he was around 15, 16. Um, and so you have two things going on. You, yes, you have the mental health, but also no matter what I say or do, no one's really listening to me that I need help. Um, and, and really when we did the work, that's where we were able to kind of piece all that together. Because for me, there was so much more than just anxiety because there's many of us that have anxiety as children, you know what I mean? And as teens, there's more to that. How is he being made to feel about himself? And that was a direct link for, again, the drinking, he felt less anxious. He could sleep. He was able to be social. He would go to parties and talk to people. And he was just on, he thought he was, had it all figured out. And he, you know, thankfully didn't die. Um, but it was so bad, you know, as an adult. And it's been his whole life. It was his only way to cope. It was really his only way to cope. And that's exactly what happens, why there's such a link between trauma and substance misuse. Yes. Because with all of the things we talked about, some of the signs like panic attacks and depression and fits of anxiety and and um, and low confidence and PTSD mm -hmm. and, and all of those things and not being able to express oneself, one has to find an outlet someplace else. Yes. So when one discovers that outlet someplace else or discovers that they can be more comfortable if they numb the pain and yes. numb the trauma, the best yes. way to do that is to use a mood altering substance to excess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's what happens for all of us when we turn from not handling our mental situation and making it a physical situation. And yes. that's exactly why treatment centers like Footprints to 
recovery are so helpful in breaking that down. Definitely. I have learned also through working with treatment centers for the past 18 years that trauma and addiction always go hand in hand, right? They seem to walk hand in hand. But now you alluded to the fact, and we started in the beginning of time talking about the fact that new kinds of treatments and new ways of doing things really begin to break down and separate the trauma from the addiction so that one can work on it individually and simultaneously, correct? Yes. I also think it's important to bring up too that there, again, this is really um, a huge, huge, it's vital and knowing this when it comes to addiction, but there are people that we would say the old school, right. um, That really get angry when trauma gets brought up actually, because they feel that we're making an excuse for a client. Um, You know, explain that a little more. Sure. So um, there are schools of thought that feel that when we talk about trauma, that we're kind of not holding a client accountable for their addiction. Um, And for me, that's not the case at all. For me, it's what is the root? We're not saying that we we still need to do, right? 12-step, NAA, you name it, right? ACT, DBT, uh, CBT, all these treatment modalities are all very important. You know, relapse prevention. Yes, they're vital, right? But what there's something missing. There's something missing. And that's where I think, again, when it comes to treatment, there's so many clients I know that they've been in and out of treatment centers for 10, 15 years. What is happening? They, we're, not, we're not dealing with the root. So for me, it's we need to look at this piece. We can't just act like it's not there. And when we act like, oh, we're making excuses, you're actually a part of the problem. You're dismissing a vital piece of addiction. You're exactly right, which is why treatment centers in this country today are mostly dual diagnosis facilities or at least begin to address what we call the secondary diagnosis, not only the diagnosis of the addiction, but the diagnosis of the mental illness. Mm -hmm. In addition... I know from working in treatment for such a long time that when somebody comes into treatment, counselors are not immediately looking at the mental health diagnosis until that person is detoxed, until that person has a semblance of sobriety, because there's no way of telling the real extent of the mental trauma until the mood-altering substance is no longer prevalent, is no longer the, the most prominent behavioral situation. Is that correct? Definitely. Yes. And it, when, even when they're out of detox and where they're with us for outpatient, that first month is still a really significant stabilization period. Um, and for any clients that we have that do relapse or have any struggles with that, we would you know, often put the trauma therapy on pause because it really, it, it's not as effective. You know, we can't have any, you know, substances in that client's system whatsoever because um, it can actually affect the impact and the effectiveness of the treatment. So now that we have all of these things and you've separated it out, I want you to spend about two minutes talking specifically about Footprints and the organization you work for and talk about the kind of treatments that one uses at Footprints to be able to handle trauma and addiction. Sure. So um, I work for an outpatient facility, so outpatient treatment. And this means that these clients are already have completed detox or re- and or residential. So again, um, for anyone that needs that higher level of care, they would 
complete that first before coming to us. Um, so we have partial hospitalization, which basically just means you're with us Monday through Friday from nine to three. And then we have IOP, which is intensive outpatient, which is one level underneath that. And that kind of varies, but your day would be for us from 9 a.m. to noon. So according to the layman, that means we are not on premise. We're not living as a, as a patient. We go in as if to attend classes all day and then go back to our residence, our homes, correct? correct. That's correct. what partial hospitalization and outpatient mean, that yeah. we come in from our house. We go to, to, to attend uh, uh, clinical classes all day long and treatment so yes. that we can work on our issues and then we come back. It's like a full day of therapy. Yes, full day. Okay. And, and, and we also, for many of us, um, Footprints in New Jersey, as well as other facilities under um, our umbrella, we also are able to utilize structured sober living facilities, which is really important because many of our clients, their home environment is a big part of where the drug use is occurring and relapse is, is you know, occurring. So those structured sober living uh, and just sober living in general is really great because they have this environment that's safe for them, that other clients are in recovery, they're staff there that can assist and help with transportation, you name it. So um, that's also a really great part about our programs. And the umbrella organization is? Alia. Um, Alia. And they have, yes, and they have treatment centers all around the country. All over the country. Yes. Yep. Um, So, uh, and, and with that said, once you drop down to IOP, um, which means you're with us from 9 a.m. to noon, that will vary how many days you come and see us from five days a week and, and lower. But we also have evening IOP three nights a week. So for our clients that work full time, they're able to come to us at night. Um, we also offer that in telehealth. So we know we try to have that flexibility for our clients. I think that's a really important piece is we want to make sure our clients' needs are being met, but we're also being flexible with what they need. And now that we're still doing telehealth, it's a really good thing to know that people can take advantage all around the country. Yes. Okay. So to wrap up in the last two minutes, I want you to give us a really good success story. Tell us how hopeful this treatment is and leave us with a message so that we know how to continue forward. What do you want to leave us with? So um, I'll just tell a brief, a brief story of a client that um, had completed EMDR, which is um, a type of treatment therapy for trauma. Uh, it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's very long. So EMDR is much easier. Um, and you can find client uh, clinicians who specialize and are trained in EMDR. Um, so I had a client who was going to be moving back home, um, but wanted to uh, experience EMDR one or two times before he left because he felt really safe with us and he was ready to do the work. Um, so in, in that case, I said, okay, let's do this. So long story short, he had a, his first trauma um, and, and he would have flashbacks and such. His first exa- um, experience with um, using um, and waking up in the hospital, he actually almost died. Um, so he was only 16 years old. He had punched through a window and he had um, sliced his major artery. And um, he remembers waking up and his dad was really angry at him and wouldn't talk to him and was there. And I mean, he'd been in the ICU because that was next to him in the bed. And he felt so horribly shamed and really just um, really angry at himself. 
Um, and it kind of continued this cycle of drinking and using throughout his whole life. And um, when we started EMDR, he started bawling within, I would say, 45 seconds. Um, and this was a man that, you know, um, was pretty much never really emotional. And he kind of prided himself on that. Um, but he said, I realized, I never realized how scared I was. I was so scared. I was a 16-year-old kid who almost died. And I just needed my dad to yeah, you can be mad at me, but I needed someone to hug me so bad, you know? That's fantastic. And you're able to turn them around fantastically. I am so thrilled. Thank you, Lindsay, so much for being here. Footprints to Recovery. Lindsay Hutchinson is available at any time. Please go to the website, Footprints to Recovery, and also Pushy Broad from to the pushybroadfromthebronx.com 800-889-1757 thank you so much for being with us today i really appreciate it thank you for having me on great thank you. thank you you've been listening to recovery recharged with certified life and recovery coach ellen stewart pushy broad from the bronx don't miss your next opportunity to let me help you recharge your recovery let go of your secrets and change the way you think Feel and act right here on TransformationTalkRadio.com.